Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Amen. What a good place to be. Amen. Exciting place to be. Church ought to be fun. Amen. And I think church is fun. And uh, I've, had a, I've had fun this morning. Amen. And uh, such, such a blessing to be here. I will be reading in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 16 this morning, if you want to be finding your way there. Um, <clears throat> We are now what, four and a half months into uh, the year, and at the beginning of the year, we, we kind of introduced uh, Church on Purpose, and I have desired to preach on that for ever since the beginning of the year, and I, every time I got a message, I just felt like the Lord would lead me somewhere else. And um, today, that's what we're going to try and explain, is Church on Purpose. <clears throat> I, I need you to listen to me this morning. I have some new thoughts that are, are maybe going to be a little different than we've thought before. And very exciting, very, very exciting. And, and I'm, I'm so excited to share it with you, but uh, I just need to stick with me. I know this is probably one of the most familiar texts that we could talk about. You probably heard many, many, many messages on this. Uh, but I, the Lord, I believe, has given me just a little different take on it. So <clears throat> 16th chapter of the book of Matthew. And let's start reading with verse 13. <clears throat> Ask everyone to stand if you're able. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? That's an important question. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, and some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjonas, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let us pray. Lord, I'm so very thankful for the service, for your spirit, for those that have worshipped, and Lord, for these wonderful brothers and sisters we are here with today. And God, and all those joining us online, how we're thankful for it, Lord. I pray that you would bless this morning. Lord, hide me, Lord, they not see me. Lord, may they see you. I beg you, Lord, let me not interfere with this message. I pray that you you would shine through me, Lord, and that your Holy Spirit would speak to all of us. Lord, may we go away understanding, Lord, of what church is supposed to be. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> so again, a very familiar text. And let's just see if we can just understand what's going on here. The most important question there is in the entire universe is, who's Jesus? Amen? If that, that determines, listen, it's not saying with your head, he is Jesus. It is saying in your heart, who is Jesus? And the most important question, because there were, uh, the, the, there were a lot of people then who were saying, you know, he's a great man, he's a prophet, he's a great teacher, he's a great thing. But Jesus said, who do you say I am? And Peter always got it wrong, but he got it right this time. And Peter stood up and he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. Now, Jesus said, let me put it in my own words. Peter, you'd have never figured that out on your own. Only God could show you that, right? Do you know if you're saved here this morning, you didn't figure it out? God showed it to you. 
God, God drawed you, God opened your eyes, God let you know it, and God saved you. So he told Peter, he said, Peter, you'd have never figured that out on yourself. God had to give that to you from above because you couldn't have done that on your own. How many of you know that's a plan of salvation? That is understanding who Jesus is because God shows you, the Holy Spirit works with you, and then accepting what that Holy Spirit shows you. But then Jesus goes on to say, since God showed you from heaven what that means, that I am the deliverer who can deliver you from your sins. And since you have accepted me as your Savior and Lord, up on that rock, I will build my church. Now we understand that is not Peter. Do we understand that? It's not Peter. Okay. Uh, the, the, the churches that build uh, their church on Peter are false churches. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> because there are a lot of churches that say, it's Peter, and then, and then it's the popes that come after Peter, and that is the church. And that is not the church. The church is built on Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And that's the only way to get to heaven. That's the only way to get to heaven. That's the only way to be a Christian. So, Upon the confession, the understanding, the comprehension that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, I'll build my church on that. Now, whose church is it? It's Jesus' church, right? We, it's, it's Jesus' church. Josh has been teaching us in Sunday school about a few weeks back. God can't build something and it not be good. Right? I mean, could, could God build a, a junky church? A church that doesn't work? A church that's not any good? No, he's not capable. He's literally not capable of building something that does not work. So he, this is his church, and he is building it, and he's building it upon the confession that he is God. So we all know that. And then he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. That's kind of what I want to preach on this morning. The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Now we know in the Old Testament it talks about the gates representing uh, where like the, the authority was at. Uh, but I looked this up and I, and I got a kind of a different, feel, uh, different uh, thought on it this morning. But I looked this up and this word gates here in the original Greek language, you know what it means? It means a gate. That, that's literally what it means. It means a, 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 a door that is, that is bolted so she can't get in. It, 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 it literally means it is just a gate. The same thing we would think of. A wall with an opening with something over top of it so you can't get through. Gates are made to keep people in. Gates are made to keep people out. Right? And that is what is used here, the gates of hell. Now, how many of you know that the Bible, this is really important. I need you guys to think this. Is, this is so profound. I want you to get this. How many of you know that the Bible says that death and hell gave up her dead and they were cast into the uh, everlasting fire? So hell is not the eternal place. It is a place you go until you're cast into outer darkness. Okay, so hell is where is where the, the people who don't know Jesus are. And the gates of hell are put there as a barrier to keep them from getting out and to keep us from getting in. Is anybody getting this? Okay, <laughs> I see that one didn't go through. Okay, there, there, is a, there is a satanic kingdom. And inside that satanic kingdom, there are demons who guard the door. And there is a barrier that will not let the sinner get out because the demons want to keep them in. And we are to go in to enemy territory and bring them out. Now, I'll let you catch up when I know that's a lot to, to grasp. I'll let you catch up. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. I've heard this preached in so many different ways, but I just want to make it real simple this morning. Satan's got a kingdom. He wants to protect it. He has gates to keep them in and keep us out. Jesus said, my church will go right through that gate. I want you to think about that. My church, 
the, the real church, the one that I built, that church will go through that gate. It will go through that gate where the lost people are. It will take enemies back from the, t- from the enemy's hand and bring them to the kingdom of God. Right? And I don't have a lot of time to go into this. I've given it a lot of thought. But let me just real quickly. Is it astounding, still talking about the church, is it astounding that Jesus Christ himself said that this church, which will go through the gates of hell, is it astounding that he says the keys, I, I give unto thee, to the church, the keys to the kingdom. Is that astounding to anybody? You know what you do with keys? You unlock things. You make a way so they can go through. Listen, if you guys come over here, if you don't have a key, you want to come into the church, can't get in. If I've got a key, I can open the door and you can all come in. He said, I give to the church the keys to get into heaven. You know what that key is? That Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. That is the key. That is, that is the key that we have, and that is the key that we share, and that is the key that will get you into heaven. And then he goes on to say, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And, and just, uh, just quickly, because I, I want to get on to where we're going, but, but just quickly, I believe there's references here to, to church discipline and church authority and, and, and different aspects, but there is also the idea here that when the church goes in and, and reaches the lost they are not only loosed here on earth, but they are loosed in heaven. And there is the idea, at least I believe a reference to a, the idea that, that Satan is uh, holding them. And I looked up that word bound and it means to prohibit. Is there any part in that that possibly means we could prohibit Satan from what he's trying to do? So as we could reach souls to get them to go to heaven now if you follow that at all that that's that's what the church is supposed to be doing that that's what we're 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 um called to do so before i start giving the points let me just ask this question if jesus called all of you every, every last one of you that if you're christian if god called you if there is a gate and if it is guarded by demons and if it is protected by the authority of Satan, and if you are commanded to go through that gate, how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? How many of you just want to walk up to a demon and say, okay, let's go. Let's go at it. Let's me and you fight. All right? Let's put up your dukes, right? Let's fight. All right? I think that's going to work. Now, I'm going to get to, I don't want to ruin my message here, but I want to get to this in a minute. But can I tell you, we all kind of laugh at that and grin a little bit. But that's how most people, most Christians live their life. They don't know what to do. And they go fight the devil and the devil wins. And I think it's time that we as a church say we have the authority to overcome the devil. Amen? Amen. So, point number one. This is really important. I... I, I, I had no idea this was part of this message because I had this message given to me a long time ago and I have been thinking about it and it has been such a blessing to me and I had no idea it was going to be uh, tied to this. But anyways, point number one, Old Testament battles. A lot of people are confused when they read their Bible, especially if you're new to church, but even some of you that's been here a long time, a lot of people are confused. Does it confuse anybody that you read things in the Bible like God said, go into the Canaanites and kill everybody? Kill the men, kill the women, kill the babies, kill everybody. And you say, what kind of a God is that? But here's the picture I want you to see. This is, this is really so profound. It, it just, and I, I don't take no credit for it. God just let me see this. In the Old Testament, good and evil were determined in a physical battle. Why don't you think about that? David and Goliath. One was for God, one was for Satan. David went out there, and, and he just a little boy. He got this giant standing there, and he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he didn't say, I'm going to get you converted so you'll be saved. He didn't say, I want to talk to you about Jesus. He said, I will take your head off. And he killed him. 
All throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, that is the principle. The principle is good physically fights evil and destroys evil. And get this, it's a little hard for us to get our brain around. God commanded it to be so. That's hard today in 2021. That's hard to get our mind around. You know, God commanded Saul to kill all of the Amalekites. He said, kill every last one of them. And Saul went in there and he killed everybody but the king. And because of that, he lost his kingship because he didn't kill everybody. Are you getting this? The, 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 the good and evil was fought on physical battlefield. And God would destroy evil with physical fighting. And you know in the, Bible, in the Old Testament you'll find almost no spiritual fighting? It's physical fighting. You ever thought about that? It was God-ordained physical fighting, so that's what we have going on in the Old Testament. Now, I was going to look up some references. I didn't. You just have to trust me on this. If you don't believe me, come to me afterwards, and we'll look at it. And we'll... But you, I just read it this week, and I should have wrote it down. But there are uh, times in the Bible. Now, get this. As the people of God, there were times that David would go out, and he would say this. Come here, boys. I'm going to teach you to fight. I'm going to teach you to fight. I'm going to train you to be a warrior. Now, he did not mean go spiritually fight. He meant, I'm going to teach you how to use a bow. I'm going to teach you how to use a sword. I'm going to teach you how to use a... And I'm going to train you so you are a trained military fighting machine so you can go kill people. That was God's plan. Is anybody with me? Is this making sense? And they fought the battles of the Lord on physical ground. And the casualties, get this, they died physically. Now, this is just a little side note, just just kind of come through my mind. Remember the message I preached, I can't get away from it, um, spirit, soul, and body? Now, I don't know that the Bible says this, okay? This is just Gary thinking out loud, so don't take it home and make more of it than what it is. Is it possible that the reason in the Old Testament, the good and bad the good and evil was fought over in the physical realm is because they had no spirit. They didn't have no spirit to fight with. Because the cross hadn't yet come. They lost their spirit in the Garden of Eden and the spirit had not yet come uh, to, so they could fight a spiritual battle. So the only thing they could fight with was with their physical body. But people died physically because God commanded it to be so. So that's the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament. Let's not. That's point number one. Point number two, the New Testament battles. Has you ever thought about the fact, you know, Saul, who became Paul, we all know the story. Saul, who became Paul, was a very religious man. Amen. He's a very religious man. He really thought he was doing what God told him to do. He, he was carrying out what the Bible said he thought. And he, but what was Saul doing? Killing people. You ever thought about that? It's time to go get rid of some of them bad people and kill them. And in the name of God, I'm going to take off your head. Right? I'm going to stone you. I'm going to kill you. But see, something changed. Something changed. Old Testament, we kill you physically. New Testament, we fight spiritually. Because we have a spiritual being now that is filled with the Spirit of God that makes us victorious over those we're fighting against. Are you getting this? It's really, really good. So then Paul, he's unrolled to Damascus, he sees the light, he, he comes to says, oh, okay, I'm not supposed to be killing people. Then he becomes Paul, then he begins preaching gospel, and then he says things like this. Why did he say this to the church? Why would Paul preach this to the church? We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with spiritual principalities. Why would he say that? Because that's all they'd ever known is let's go out and kill people. Okay? Listen, we're going to give all you guys a gun. We're going to go to Sandusky and kill all them sinners, right? We're going to fight for Jesus. We're going to kill a whole bunch of people. That's the way you live for Jesus. That's the way it was in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it changed. And now we are in a spiritual battle. 
And nowhere in the New Testament will you find where God is commanding us to kill people physically. But we are commanded to battle. We're commanded to battle, but not against flesh and blood, not against man, not with a sword, not with a gun. We are commanded to fight spiritually. So again, we have this gate here. We're discarded by demons. There is Satan's powers behind it. There are lost souls condemned to go to hell. And Jesus said, I want you to go through that gate. Kick all them demons out of your way. Walk right in there to set them captives free and bring them out to the kingdom of God. How are we going to do that? So I want to ask a couple questions right here. How, this is so very important. If you guys could just see this, this is just blow your mind. I, I, maybe you guys lost Smartland. When I started, Lord started showing me this, I'm just like, wow, Lord, that is just blows my mind. How do Christians fall in battle today? How many of you have walked into the church and said, oh, pastor, I got stabbed this week, man, about ripped my arm off. Oh, I got this gash here. I got, the guy got me with a sword. Oh, I was out fighting. And he took my leg off. How many Christians have you seen do that? Right? We're not fighting a physical battle. But I wonder if we could see your scars. I wonder if you're just as cut up. But it's not on your flesh. It's on your spirit. Am I making any sense here? And we're in a battle. We're getting, we're, we're getting, listen, he, he gave us all these pieces of armor and all these different things. But we're in a battle, but it is not with our flesh. It is with our spirit. And our spirits can get beat up and they can get wounded. But here's the thing. This is so very important. This is so eye-opening. This blows your mind. How do Christians get hurt in spiritual battle? Let me ask you a real important question, guys. Is there anybody here that's ever known anybody that used to go to church and didn't go to church anymore? They got killed in spiritual battle. Has anybody ever known someone who used to be on fire for God, working for God, holding positions, working for God? They don't want nothing to do with it anymore. Anybody ever known someone that was, uh, um, you know, just really faithful and they just barely want to go to church anymore? It's a spiritual uh, wound. It, in other words, their spirit, we can't see. I can't, I can't see the blood running out of you. I can't, I can't see the big gash in your side. But it, it isn't a physical wound. It is a spiritual wound. And you spiritually get hurt. And people get spiritually hurt so much that they die. Wow. Now, I thought this this morning. You read over in the Bible. You know, one time, this is kind of funny story. One time, the Assyrians were out, they were camping, and they were going to uh, attack uh, Israel. And, and um, uh, long story short, God sent one angel, and in one night, he killed physically 185,000 people. Dead. And we read over and over and over again, you know, they would go into nation, nations, not little cities, nations, and kill everybody. And so there was, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of casualties and there was a lot of death. And you read the Old Testament, it's just like, man, this is just gory and people are just dying and, and all these things. I wonder in the New Testament how many casualties we have. I wonder how many people, in other words, you read of thousands and thousands and thousands of people who died physically. I wonder spiritually how many people have died. I wonder spiritually how many people have just hurt so bad they can't go back out. Because we are wounded in a spiritual battle. And here's something I want. This is so important. If that made any sense to you at all. Why? Oh, gosh. Help me, Lord. If you guys could just get this. It would change everything in our church right here. This is what I'm going to say. Why do people die in spiritual battle? That's the most important question. Why do people die in spiritual battle? If there's a devil standing right here, a demon, and I'm supposed to take him out, I am supposed to bind him, destroy him, uh, prohibit him, do everything again. If I'm supposed to get him out of the way, but he is in spirit and I have a spirit and I'm supposed to fight with him, how am I going to do that? And how am I not going to walk away with him winning and me losing? Is that a good question? Can I tell you the reason? This is just as, this is, this is plain. Listen, if I know anything at all, I know this right here. You say, Pastor, I don't, I don't believe with you. I don't agree with you. You have a right to your opinion, but I know I'm right. 
Look right here. Everybody look right here. Do you know why we get we know why we die in a spiritual battle? Because we've not been trained. Now, I, I didn't know this. This is a little bit carnal, okay? Just bear with me just for a little bit of carnal. I did not realize this. Um, <clears throat> I hope it's okay to say this on the air. But all of you guys know Billy Keegan. Okay, Georgie knows him. You know Billy Keegan? He was a MMA uh, fighter, right? I mean, one of those guys that would kick the guy in the face and fight, And all those, that's what he did. So I talked. It kind of fascinates me. I talked. I know it's carnal, but I still think it's neat. So I talked to him one day. Now, this is what he said. If you guys know Billy, he's a little guy. He can walk into a bar... There's a guy there that weighs 350 pounds, big as muscles, and, he, and he'll say, you better do this. And Billy says, I look at him and say, if you don't break off, I'm going to break your arm and you're going to go to the hospital. Right. Now, why is that? that this, he told me he's, he's fought with police officers who were huge and muscle-bound and just tie him up in knots and they couldn't do anything with him. Why is that? He was trained. He was trained. If you've got bulging muscles and you're a monster and you don't know how to fight, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. There's, there's something to it. Here's something else. Just a little, just a little tidbit. Get you guys back in with me and we'll go back to the spiritual stuff. Here's something he told me. You always see this on TV. I've always wanted to know. Some of you are going to say, I don't believe it. Well, go take it up with Billy. I asked him, because I've always wanted this. You know how you see on TV, you got this little 100-pound girl, and she just whoops some guy who weighs 300 pounds. I said, Billy, is that possible? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I know girls, man. You do not want to mess with them. They have been trained. They are so trained, they can whoop anybody. It isn't muscle. It is training. I know where to punch. I know when to do it. I know how to get out of your way. I know how to disable you. I know how to put you down. And does anybody get how that's what we need spiritually? If I'm fighting with a demon, I need to be a better fighter than he is, because if not, I'm going to lose. But if I know how to fight, because Jesus said I have the power, if I am trained, I can take that demon down, and I can demobilize him, and I can take away from him what he is guarding, because I am trained to do that. Now, if I walk up to a demon and I am not trained, you guys tell me what's going to happen. He's going to wound me, or he's going to kill me. And I'll stop going to church, and I'll stop living for the Lord, and I'll be out complaining to everybody how bad I've got it. And the truth is, it happened because I was not trained. Are you guys with me so far? Is this making any sense? This is really good. All right. So in the New Testament, Paul not only says that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but he also says, 2 Timothy 2.15, what does he say? Study to show thyself approved. A workman need not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. He, he, so he's, and then in that same chapter, he said, um, um, be a good soldier. What in the world does reading the Bible have to do with being a good soldier? I need to lift some weights and learn how to shoot, a, shoot a, uh, arrows, right? And Paul said, if you want to be a good soldier, study the Bible. What in the world does that have to do with fighting a battle? How am I going to fight with reading the Bible? But that's what Paul said. That's what Paul said. Now, ooh. So we have the Old Testament battles, we have the New Testament battles. Now let's look at the New Testament church. Turn your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 4. This is the, the main chapter in all of the Word of God that tells us what the church is supposed to be. Listen, if you have a, uh, you guys answer me this while you're turning there. Fourth chapter of Ephesians. If you have an idea what church should be, and God has an idea what church should be, which one do you think is right? Which one should we go with? Which one should, which one should Gary Sorrell as the pastor set the church up to make God happy or to make you happy? Should we, pre- should we do your preference and what you like and what you think, or should we do what God says he wants done in his church? That's what we should do. Thank you, Eli. But that's good having you here. Someone helped me here. I appreciate that. We ought to do what God... Now, this is a primary book. We can't argue with the Word of God. Everybody here would say they believe the Word of God. Let's look at what the Word of God says. Just as clear as clear can be. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 8. <clears throat> Wherefore he saith, when he ascended on high and led captivity captive... And gave gifts unto men. Talk about Jesus. Now he, now that he is ascended, what is it but that he is also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? 
And he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fulfill all things. We know we understand that. Do, I, do you understand what that is? When Jesus died on the cross, he went to this place of hell. Those Old Testament saints that had believed in the Messiah, he went back there, set them free, gave them salvation and said, you're no longer captive. I set you free. Come on out. Now, how many of you think that this is really fun? Come on, you guys with me. How many of you think a demon can whoop Jesus? Can you imagine Jesus walking out that door? They wouldn't even have fought, Brother Steve. They just said, man, come on in, man. I ain't standing in your way, right? They'd have got out of his way. So Jesus walks into the gates of hell, takes all the captives from of the Old Testament, and brings them into the kingdom of God and sets them free. Hallelujah. And then it says a strange thing. After he goes to hell... And pulls out all of those and sets them free, the captives. He's already told them in Matthew chapter 16, I'm going to build my church on this rock. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's told us in Matthew 28 uh, that all power is given to me in heaven and earth and go out and, and preach the gospel into all the world. And you have the authority. He told us in Acts chapter 1 that when the power comes from on high, you'll have the power. To, so we have the power to fight the enemy. Right? So for his church, after he goes to hell, whoops the devil, whoops all the devil's demons, he sets the captives free, he comes back and it says, and he gave, uh, and he gave, um, did I miss it here? And he descended also, uh, it was a, 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. I was trying to see where it said he gave, oh, verse number eight. I knew it was there. I couldn't find it. He gave gifts to men. That's what I was trying to find. Now, stop right here. So I want you guys to get this. You're an Old Testament saint. Jesus just went to the cross. He said he set up his church. He comes back. He whoops the devil. He brings these captives out. He says, you guys now go start a church, and I'm going to give you some gifts to do that with. What you're thinking is, I can't wait to get my spear. I can't wait to get my arrow. Man, I can't wait to get that. I can't wait to get all these things so I can go out there and kill a bunch of sinners. And he says, my gift is, I'm going to give you a teacher. I'm going to give you a preacher. Jesus, no offense, it's not a real great gift. I mean, we're, we're fighting a battle here. We're, we're, we're fighting and you're giving us teachers and telling us to study the Bible. But that's what he said. I give you the gift of preachers and teachers and pastors and evangelists. And this is why I said that. So very important. For the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting is equipping. It is training. It is getting them ready for battle. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. To all come into the unity of faith and of knowledge, and of the Son of God, unto a perfect man. A perfect man is trained, equipped, and ready to fight. Until, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more uh, children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Do you know what that says? Listen, listen, you can disagree, you can do what you want to, but this is what the Bible says. I'm just going to stand real strong on it. I, I'm just going to put everything, I'm going to put all the, uh, everything on the table. The church is here to equip all of you guys to fight demons. So you can whoop them and win. And churches that are not set up that way, they have a whole bunch of people that are Christians who are not equipped to fight the devil. And he, they go out and fight them and they come back in and they are wounded or they are dead and they can't fight in the battle. And we are here to equip you, to train you, to be a soldier for Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> I thought this was a really good illustration. You guys can decide if it was or not. I thought this was a really good illustration. Um, I don't know if anybody here has been in the military. but So, you, you take an 18-year-old boy. 
Now, he might be, he might be 6'3", and he might be big, but he's still a boy. Okay? You send him to boot camp. Okay, you guys with me? Send him to boot camp. That, this sergeant is screaming in his face, yelling at him, 100 push-ups, making him get up early in the morning, making him make his bed perfect, making him climb under barbed wire, shooting at him, doing all these things, and the guy's thinking, he hates me, he hates me, he's trying to kill me. And he, and he, and he goes to bed at night, and that, and that boy, is so, he can't hardly move, he's hurting so bad, and he's so sore, and he, before he hardly gets the night over, he's got to get up early the next morning and do it all over again. And they push him mentally and physically and spiritually, they push him in every way. And this boy's thinking, now, I, I would rather we just sit and watch TV for a while. I'd rather just have my Kool-Aid. I, I'd rather just, let's just play video games. I'd, I'd rather, I, I don't want to do all this stuff. This is not the way I want to do it. And the soldier keeps screaming at him and keeps making him do push-ups and keeps making him do all these things. And and all of a sudden, this 18-year-old boy looks down and he says, I see a man. (laughs) I came in here a boy and I see a man. Not only is his body hard and strong and powerful, but mentally he is strong because he takes orders and he's ready to fight. And he's trained in how to fight the other guy. Now, everything that was going on in boot camp, he thought, this doesn't make sense. I don't like it. I'm not in for it. I'd rather just have fun. I don't want to do this. But how many of you know when that soldier gets on the battlefield and the bullets start flying, he says, thank you, Sergeant, for screaming and yelling at me and making me the man that I am so I could fight this battle and win. Does anybody get the picture? Oh, I want to come to church and feel good and have a good time and don't tell me how to live and don't, don't preach me the Bible and don't do, I'm not interested in learning the Bible. I'm not in, I just want to come to church and have a good time. And then the devil destroys you. You don't want to go to church. You're discouraged. You're all down and out because you are not trained to fight demons. But when you come to church and you are trained to fight demons, you come in and say, Pastor, I whooped three of them this week. Right? I put them boys down. Not with my fists, but with the word of God. Now, that's what church is supposed to be. That's the New Testament church. That was point number three, if I didn't say that. First one was Old Testament battles. Second one was New Testament battles. Third point is the New Testament church. We are to equip soldiers. So now we come to point number four, last point, church on purpose. Does anybody know here that our world has changed? It's, it's just changed. We, we, we can say all the different things we want to, but our world's changed. Church has changed. Everybody I listen to nationally and everybody else, everybody says the church will never go back to where it was before. It's just a different world. Sand Hill has changed. Sand Hill has changed a lot. Just since COVID, Sand Hill has changed a lot. But I want to let you guys in a little bit of secrets this morning. Probably should have did this a long time ago. And I've been wanting to preach this for a long time. I just feel like the Lord didn't let me do it for whatever reason. I'm not going to try and figure that out. But can I tell you that I have a conviction? I have had a conviction. We're not going to do it unless we do it on purpose. What that means is we're not doing a whole bunch of things that don't mean anything. When we're doing something, there's a reason behind it. If it doesn't accomplish something, we ain't going to do it no more. You can come up with all kinds of different ideas, things you want to do. They might be a great idea, but if it's not getting done what we need done, we're not going to do it. We're going to do it on purpose. Now, we have church services. Oh, I don't like the way we're doing it. I don't like the changes been made. I don't like this. That, no, no. How many of you would dare? How many of you would dare? I'm being bold, I know. How many of you would dare stand your feet right now and say the services we're having at Sand Hill right now aren't very good? You'd be scared of the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, wouldn't you? If you ain't got any sense at all in your head, you ought to know that. To stand to your feet and say the Spirit's not at Sand Hill. To stand to your feet and say it's not as good as it should be. To stand to your feet and say the Holy Spirit is not working. It'd be blasphemous. But I don't like the way we're doing it. It doesn't matter what you like. It matters what God says. Now we started back when this whole thing shut down. I was so proud of you. I, I, I'll be honest. You guys just blew me away. Shut the church down. Couldn't have church. I didn't like it. You guys didn't like it. But it was what it was. We, we got together as quick as we could, and we said we need to do everything we can to keep them equipped spiritually. 
just started blowing you guys up with stuff online. We had stuff seven days a week, I think, six days a week. We just, sometimes twice in a day. We were just bombarding you guys with the Bible. You guys eat it up. I could not believe it. I blew my mind. I thought, these guys are just, they're, they're doing it. Do you know why that's important? Because even if we're not having church here, you still need to be equipped. You need to be ready for the battle. How many of you know that the devil didn't stop when COVID started? He didn't say, I'm afraid to get it. i got to wear a mask and stay in the house. Right? He went out there to get everybody he could. If you're not trained, you're going to go down in the battle. So we decided to do everything here with a purpose. And everything is structured around a purpose. We have Sunday school. You guys have been so faithful in attendance. I really appreciate that. I'm, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate it. You guys have been so faithful coming to Sunday school. Listen, almost everything we do, there's nothing etched in stone, how long it's going to last, whatever. Here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to follow the Spirit of the Lord and continue to equip you guys with the Bible. We have Sunday school now. It seems to be really uh, um, having an effect on a lot of people. It is designed not to just have fluff, not to just, you know, let's just have something there so we can all talk about. It is designed to take us deeper in our spiritual walk. You know, I don't know a whole lot about this, and I'll be kind of ignorant right here when I say this, but when you're in karate, there's different belts. And one means I can fight, the other means I can really fight, and the other means don't get near me or you're in trouble. Right? That's what we're doing here. We're training soldiers, we're training fighters, we're training you intentionally. In other words, Sunday school is not an accident. It's not an afterthought. It's not a just, it is on purpose the way we do it. It is designed to make you a good fighter so the devil doesn't have a chance against you. Anybody here want to be a good fighter for the Lord? Anybody want to be able to whoop demons and be able to have victory? Anybody want that? You don't get that by a good feeling. You get that by the Word of God. That's what the Bible says. Now, we have Wednesday night services. Bob don't want to come to that. Oh, it's, it's not church. Well, we did it on purpose. We're going through a book in the Bible. You can't take it out of context when you're going through a book. When you're going verse by verse by verse by verse, you're going to learn what the Bible says about that book. We're giving you guys a chance to interact, so if there's anything you don't understand, we can talk about it, we can work through it. It is designed intentionally on purpose for a reason, and that is to equip you guys to go fight the battle. Now, I, I know I've mentioned this before, and, and uh, I, I love our preachers, and I, I appreciate our preachers. I really, really do. And I've told them this in private. You know, if you've been around church very long, if you've been around Free Will Baptist churches very long, here's what normally happens. Preacher announces his calling. He's horrible. Nobody wants to listen to him. He has nothing to say. He doesn't know how to preach. Put another preacher up behind him. Give him 10 years. When he gets there, we'll have a good preacher. That's what's always been done with young preachers. I pulled them boys aside and I said, listen guys, I know you've only been at this for a year. We don't have time for you to grow up. You have to be great preachers today. You say, that's not fair. Listen, we don't have time. The battle's real. The battle's today. In our prayer teams, those of you that are on prayer teams, one of the prayers we're praying is, I think it's Josh's group, one of the prayers we're praying is, listen, this is so important, every single message, every single service, none wasted, everyone will move the church forward. Oh, no, we've got to have a few that aren't no good and a few that are good. No, no, no. All of them good. I just say this here, the, the boys are just doing phenomenal. They, they, I, have, I have felt like I've given them a lot of hard things to come up to. And, and they have said, thank you for loving us enough to be hard on. It's boot camp. Get out, give me some push-ups. Stay, you know, call your mama bad names. It's because I love you. It feels like I'm being hard on you. I want you to be ready for the battle, to be able to fight for the devil. Listen, I could be gone, but I want some strong preachers here that will still kick the devil in the face when I'm gone. And they're not going to do that if they're little babies and they don't know how to fight. They've got to be trained so we are here to train soldiers, and that is clearly what the Bible says. And here, here we are trying to, the, the Sunday school, the Bible studies, the, we started a men's group and a women's group. Here's an, here's an interesting idea for you. They've been doing it for now. I think the women had the biggest group they've ever had this past week. It's going really, really well for the women. Men's groups are going really good, having people from outside the church coming in. Now, this, is a, this is a funny idea. We got together and we said, what about if we taught men what men are supposed to be and taught women what women are supposed to be? <laughs> I know it's a, it's a, it's a funny idea. Uh, my stupid phone's ringing. Sorry. Silence your phones, please. <clears throat> uh, uh, but here's the thing. I, I told all of them when we were talking about this, I said, wouldn't it be really phenomenal 
if you guys could teach the women what a woman's supposed to be, and we could teach the men what they're supposed to be, but we don't talk to each other, and when they come back together, they say, wow, that's what a woman is? Wow, that's what a man is? I like this. Is anybody getting it? What I'm showing you is, we're not doing anything around here by accident. It is on purpose. It is intentional. The, the, I know because I'm the pastor, this is probably what it's in. But there is, a, there is a, a, a purpose behind the madness. It may not seem like it's a, by design, but we are doing it on purpose. And one purpose and one purpose to train all of you guys to be fighters for Jesus. And we're not going to give you a machine gun. We're not going to give you a sword. But we will give you the Bible and you'll be able to fight the enemy. Now, that scripture said there that I read, I think it was there in Ephesians, it said not tossed to and fro, being deceived by every wind of doctrine of man. And I'm just going to be, I'm going to be very straightforward. You can tell I, I've, God's really got a hold of me on this. And I mean this with love. And I would give anything if you guys just say, oh, I finally get it. We've had people in this church that don't go here anymore. We've had people in this church greatly deceived we've had people who are very vulnerable to falling right this second do you know why that is they're not trained for the battle i i I say this with all i I say this you just do what you want to i say this with all the humility in my heart and and you guys know me i'm not good at anything but i have spent my life to know what this book right here says but I hear people in this church making comments. Oh, I was talking to so-and-so the other day, and this is what they said about that. And I'm thinking, how can you go to our church and even think that thought? How can you believe that heresy? How can, how can you? Because you're not trained. And when some preacher starts telling you some crazy thing, or some person you know starts saying, you're, you're, just, you're just led along by things because you don't say, no, this is what thus saith the word of God. I will not be led astray. I will not be deceived. I am standing on the word of God. You can't trip me up because I'm trained. That is what it means to have church. And there's an awful lot of people. And I'm not trying to be mean. God knows I'm not trying to get you guys to see it because I don't know. I don't think you guys are seeing it. We're associated with churches all over. We were in a conference. We are in a youth camp. We have friends all over. We're literally associated with just multitudes and dozens and dozens and dozens of churches, all of them having congregations. And we're kind of in a unique position where we kind of know what's going on in all those churches. Here's what's going on. People are falling daily because they're not trained. Not going to church anymore. Oh, so-and-so doesn't go to church anymore. So-and-so, they barely ever see them. So-and-so's, you know, discouraged because they weren't trained. But the ones who are trained, they're coming back. They're fighting the battle. They're still in it. You guys are just amazing. I'm so excited, church. But some of you are so faithful. You know, I don't don't mean to embarrass anybody, but Steve Charlie showed up here, and they started coming as new people. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. Who does that? Right? And then, and then uh, Jeff and Marianne, they showed up and they started coming to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Wednesday. Who does that? And a lot of you are here every time the doors are open because you're being trained to fight the devil. And you say, I'm not interested in that. Well, let the devil whoop you good then. Let the devil beat you up. Let the devil bloody you up and let the devil destroy you. Make the devil take away your love for the Lord and your love for the Spirit and and be what you're supposed to be. Or you could come here and get trained and go out confidently and say, I will take on the devil and I will win. And that's what we're called to do, church. There is nowhere in the Bible where it says, be scared to death of the devil. There's nowhere it says, be afraid to go through that gate. It says you will go through that gate because I am with you. And if you are trained properly, you can win and see souls saved. So we're doing this thing on purpose. We're we're doing it on purpose. And let me just wrap up with this. I think we got this backwards. I really, really do. It's kind of ironic, but I think we got this backwards. I want to have a good worship service, not interested in learning the Bible. Or, I'm learning the Bible, and we're having phenomenal worship services. Do you see the difference? Now, this is what I believe. This is what Gary believes. The reason we're having such phenomenal worship services is because you guys 
are learning what the Bible says. And when we talk about uh, Jesus, you can't help but do this right here. You can't help but do this right here. You can't help but say, hallelujah, I know him. It has taught you to worship because we taught you the Bible. We don't get worship and then something happens. We get the Bible and we produce worship. And I think it's some of the best worship you can find anywhere right here at our church. And it's because we're on purpose training you for the battle. Amen. I just wonder, I'll try to bring this in, but I just wonder, we got two 18-year-olds here. Okay? Two 18-year-old boys. They both sign up for the army. One boy says, I'll, I'll, I'll go through boot camp. The other boy says, I know a way I could be a soldier and I don't have to go through that boot camp. He ain't going to scream and yell at me and got to do push-ups and all that hard stuff. Shoot at me, put me under barbed wire. I'm going to skip all of that and I'm just going to be a soldier. So we fast forward on the other side. The one boy comes out of boot camp and he looks like a man. He's ready to fight. The other one's still an 18-year-old kid who don't have a clue what he's doing. And all of a sudden they go to battle. How do you guys think that's going to work out? The one boy's going to be dead. I mean, he's going to be dead. The other guy is going to probably be trying to fight the enemy and take care of his buddy who didn't want to go to boot camp. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about here? So which one will you be? Can I just say praise God for the word of God? He told us, if you would equip the saints, they'll no longer be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but they will be stable because of the word of God. And I believe at this Sandhill Church, we have some stable, rock-solid Christians who can storm the gates of hell and bring in some people to the kingdom. Amen? We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.